Hey everyone, welcome to episode 101 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Christina Saffron, the co-founder and CEO at Equip. Without further ado, let's bring her on. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I know we were chatting a little bit uh, about your, your company and you gave uh, me a good tidbit uh, of information, but I think we should just dive right into it. If you could tell the audience about your background, I think they'd appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Christina Saffron. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Equip. Uh, I have been working in the eating disorder field for basically my whole entire life. I think it's helpful to frame kind of what our eating disorder is, why is this important? So just at a high level, uh, 30 million Americans suffer with an eating disorder at some point in their lives. lives. It's 5 million over the course of any year. They have the second highest mortality rate of all mental illnesses, largely driven by the high suicide rate in the population. Um, they There's a horrible misconception that this is sort of a white rich girl vanity issue only affects people who look like me when in reality we know that eating disorders affect folks pretty equally actually across race class ethnicity a third of sufferers are men most people with eating disorders are not underweight you really can't tell just by looking at them and unfortunately right now upwards of 80 percent of folks do not receive care for their eating disorders um, so i have been working in eating disorders for basically my whole life uh, was diagnosed with anorexia when i was 10 years old struggled throughout my adolescence was fortunate to have access to uh, great treatment, uh, family-based treatment, which is the leading evidence-based treatment for adolescents and young adults with eating disorders. Um, but really saw so many people that I was in treatment with not able to being kicked out early and learned about the stats and said, you know, this is horrible. I have to do something about it. So at 15 years old, started a nonprofit project heal to raise money for people who couldn't afford treatment. That was the access issue I saw at that time and have just been really fortunate to kind of grow up in the field, really learn from some of the leading clinicians and academics uh, started, you know, raising all this money, got into college, started studying psychology. It was like, oh my goodness, I'm raising all this money for treatments that aren't actually all that effective. Um, and got me really, really interested in how do we develop and disseminate quality evidence-based eating disorder treatments. Um, long story short, we'd actually developed one of the first evidence-based peer support programs for folks at Project Heal um, back about three years ago. And uh, uh, Anthem had actually approached us about reimbursing for the program, kind of naturally got me into conversations where I, uh, they said, you know, we're really interested in reimbursing for your program. I said, super glad you're reimbursing for peer support. Definitely part of the standard of care, but it's not enough. People need good quality outpatient treatment. And uh, right now that's not accessible, but you're spending a lot of money on care that doesn't work really well. And they said, if you build it, we will come. Um, and, you know, that was that was really the catalyst for moving over from Project Heal, which I'm still an active board member of and very involved to equip, but really seeing over the last two decades that our research has improved dramatically. We have evidence-based outpatient treatments that work really well uh, for treating eating disorders. And unfortunately, we haven't done a great job of getting them to patients and families. And in the meantime, uh, I call this sort of one of the unintended consequences of the Mental Health Parity Act. I'm a big fan of the Mental Health Parity Act. Patrick Kennedy is one of our advisors, but really the, the downside of that was that private equity said, ooh, hawk growth industry, let's enter into this market. And so you see the rise starting in 08 of all of these private equity backgrounds 
back residential centers that more and more people had access I saw to residential care, no quality outpatient care. And so really, really saw a need to flip the model on its head because we know that 90% of patients can and should be treated as outpatients with evidence-based care. Interesting. So most, most people are, you know, starting off high school, you're at 15, starting this nonprofit, which it seems like it was a major component into, you know, where, where you're at today with Equip. Uh, can we, let's, I'd love to dive, you, you really gave us a great intro and kind of uh, how, your, how your career kind of started. Um, I'd love to dive more into um, what, like, what type of professionals you're working with uh, and kind of your model, like how it works for, for, for the patient. Yeah, absolutely. So let me start out by saying what is evidence-based treatment for eating disorders? So the leading evidence-based treatment is family-based treatment. And really it's a model that empowers families and caregivers to play an active role in their loved one's recovery. We know from you know 20 plus years of research into eating disorders that eating disorders have really strong genetic and neurobiological underpinnings. And the idea is it's it's hard and unfair and kind of cruel to treat these as individual illnesses. It's not that individuals are choosing actively not to engage in pro-health behaviors. It's that these, these, their brain chemistry is just so, so strong that it's not allowing them to engage in the pro-health behaviors that they need to do. And so we bring in families to make that process easier. Um, unfortunately, even though FBT has been shown to be the leading evidence-based treatment over the last 20 years and dozens and dozens of RCTs, it's been shown to work over telehealth. Our, our favorite study is that it's been shown to work even if the teenager never shows up. Uh, they usually do because you usually want to know if someone's talking about you, but it's a, it's a great stat. Um, unfortunately, we've done a terrible job at disseminating it. And so right now, one, there's already a shortage of eating disorder care providers, but even amongst those who consider themselves eating disorder specialists, only six to 35% actually report adhering to evidence-based protocols. There's just a lot of bad information around there. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of mental health therapists kind of operate from an N of one perspective. This is what got me better. This is what got my patient better. And so this is the modality that we're going to use. Um, academia is, is also to blame. And we've done, we've made it really, really inaccessible to get training in this evidence-based treatment, uh, which also results in a provider base that is uh, very homogenous, very white, upper middle class, thin females, and not reflective of the diversity of the patients that we serve. Beyond that, uh, you really need a multidisciplinary care team, right? So at the very least, kind of a, a therapist, a dietitian, and a medical doctor. These have strong medical complications, uh, and eating disorders have the second highest mortality rate of all mental illnesses. You really do need that coordinated care team. And usually it's pretty impossible to find that care team, certainly not one covered by insurance. And even if you can kind of piece together your own care team, more often than not, they're totally totally on the same page, have different ideas about what caused eating disorders, have different ideas about how to treat it. And so, for example, we'll hear all the time, you know, therapist says you need to gain 10 pounds, dietitian says you need to gain 20 pounds, PCP is like, oh, this is a phase, don't worry about it at all. And the eating disorder really wins there. So it's very, very important to have that coordinated care team. Um, also outcomes tracking, incredibly important. Eating disorders are an area that lend themselves pretty well to some great metrics. Weight obviously being one of them, it's quite easy to measure, but we also have uh, symptom inventories like 
binging, purging, over-exercising that we should really be looking at. And unfortunately, right now, the fields and kind of the fields of mental health in general has done a really bad job at looking at outcomes and utilizing those outcomes to inform our care. So we basically said, how can we take, you know, all of those components and with all the pieces of the pie have been baked, the evidence has been baked for the last 20 years, how do we really put them together into one platform for our patients? And so with all that, um, our model at Equip is partnering with health insurance companies. Access is really uh, at the core of our mission, making this accessible to patients and their families. And we build families a fully virtual five-person care team consists of a therapist, a dietitian, an MD. We can do both monitoring for medical stability and also prescribing of psychiatric medications. And then my favorite part, I'm biased, but a peer mentor. So somebody who's been in a strong and active recovery from their own eating disorder for at least two years and a family mentor. So somebody who's helped their loved one through the recovery process. And this is so important because I'll often describe my own recovery process as active after I got out of the hospital, uh, I was spent my entire freshman year in and out of hospitals. I described my recovery process after that as like actively hating myself for an entire year and still having to do the very thing that I feared most every day, multiple times a day. Beyond that, people still told me, and this is really common, oh, this isn't something you get better from. This is something that will always be with you. Um, and it's it's incredibly hard. It's one of those illnesses where recovery is ambivalence at best. You have anxiety of depression, you want them gone, but an eating disorder, a core part of it really is that you want to hold on to it. And so just the simple act of having someone who's like, I've been there, I get it, this sucks, I understand, and keep going, it's possible, it's worth it, is so simple and yet so invaluable in keeping folks engaged in treatment. And it's the same for the parents. I mean, this is a really large task for parents to do. Um, we're often asking them to gain a pound a week, which is kind of gold standard in residential or inpatient centers and what we really strive for at Equip. Um, we often need to feed adolescents 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day, every single day, while the adolescent, the eating disorder is screaming at you the entire time. And so it's a lot of hard work. I remember many, many times when I was going through this many, many days in a row where I would throw food at my mom, pull her hair. I mean, the eating disorder really comes out. And so to have someone like my mom, who's like, I get it. And this is what happened with Christina. And she did all these things and keep going. It's possible. It's worth it. Really reinforcing that message really keeps our families engaged in treatment. If we can circle back for just one second too, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I want to point out, so you said that one of the, your favorite parts was the peer mentor. Why is that? Yeah, I think for the points that I mentioned that like eating disorder recovery is really, really, really hard. And, you know, these illnesses, we call them egocentric illnesses because a core part of them is that you don't actively want to get better and you want to keep the eating disorder around. Um, and I think just a lot of people have never met anybody who's recovered in their entire lives. They've met a lot of other sick patients in treatment, but has never met somebody who's really gone through it in the way that I used to think about it when my doctor said, you know, Christina, you're never going to recover from this. Like, well, why would I do all the hard work of going through the recovery process then, right? If it's not even possible, then uh, why am I why am I doing all this hard work? So it really does keep folks engaged in treatment. It's really cool for me to see, um, you know, people begin to light up when they see, oh wait, this is it's possible to get better from this. This is somebody who's been in my shoes, who really understands what I'm going through, and yet is there on the other side, showing me that this really can be this really can be done, and the work is not only possible but really really worth it. Interesting. 
It, that may, I mean, that makes total sense though. It, just like anything, right? Like you want to be a good CEO, you find a CEO mentor that's been there, done that, and you learn from them. And you're, you're right. I can't see why this would be any different than a situation like that. And I think mentors can sometimes like hold up a mirror in a way that clinicians can. I think a good example of this, um, you know, we often have to fight diet culture and we live in a society that is like pretty messed up when it comes to food and body and so we do a lot of education about you know relearning what is really healthy we uh practice from a health at every size perspective um and so we've had you know parent conversations where parent mentors can say hey mom like what is it what message is it sending to your daughter when you're feeding her fettuccine alfredo and you're sitting down with like a green side salad i've been there too i've been through this i've had to like confront a lot of my own demons but let's talk about that right that message really goes over better from a family mentor where where can people learn more i guess about you and equip yeah uh best places to go to our website uh, equip.health uh, where you can get information on our treatment, our story, our team, uh, and kind of our vision for transforming eating disorder care. We are right now actively serving patients in New York, California, and Texas, and are sprinting as fast as we can to be active in all 50 states. Perfect. Uh, at least you have, those are, those are some of the main states though, the largest They're big, so, big yeah. states. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere to start. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you again. So for, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And uh, I'll, I'll throw some links to your social media and your website in the show notes and look forward to hopefully having you back on at some point to kind of give us an update on where you're at. Absolutely. Would love that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Hey everyone, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, BlockHealth. BlockHealth is building the ecosystem of services and solutions to power the future of healthcare. Through their platform, healthcare professionals and organizations can enter, upload, and share core credentialing documents and information. Professionals and organizations then have the opportunity to use that information to order multiple services and solutions like credentialing, state license registration, certifications, payer enrollment, renewals, and more. On average, the BlockHealth platform saves users 40 to 60% on credentialing and licensing related costs. Organizations can use BlockHealth as an extension of their team or as their whole licensing and credentialing team. Today, BlockHealth works with some of the top healthcare organizations. To learn more about BlockHealth, please visit www.blockhealth.com. That's B-L-O-C-H-E-A-L-T-H.com and follow them on their social channels at BlockHealth. Thanks for listening. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.